You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected to our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge or at our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message and we would love to hear from you. John 14 is where we are today. And uh, if you if you weren't, if you kind of came in late, I just want to extend again. Good morning to you. We're going through a series called Dinner Table Conversations. This is where Jesus is gathered, not in the crowds, not in the fields, not on a sermon on the mount. This is him sit, standing at a table, and his friends are listening to his teaching in this really intimate moment where Jesus knows this is going to be really, really the last conversation that he's going to have with them. And through chapters 13 all the way to 17, there's a lot of red letters that, again, as we read John, in, just in the way that John, the book of John is written, it's like we are invited. It's like someone pulling out a, a chair for you and offering you a, a seat at the table to listen to Jesus over these next, over those five chapters. And, and for us, from, from we began this just in the new year all the way till Easter, this is what we're going to be doing. Every Sunday, we're going to sit down at the table of Jesus and just drink in what he is telling us. And so my, 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 my purpose whenever we give messages is not, it's not to, like, you, you know a message where it's like, okay, I'm going to take this and kind of run with it a different direction. Like, we're, I'm just going to walk through the passage, okay? We're just going to drink in what Jesus is saying as if we're sitting at the table ourselves. This is a passage that if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably know. Jesus says really importantly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We often use this passage just in evangelistic opportunity. Rightly so. Except for the word just. In that when I read this passage and meditated on this passage this week, this is, this is a message I need to hear today. This is a message you need to hear. I don't care how long you've been sitting in church. I don't care how long you've been at Restoration Church. This is a message you need to hear. This is a message Restoration Church needs to hear today. And so wherever you stand, you need, you're going to need this. And so right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to open a prayer. By the way, uh, if, I'm, if you're behind what I have called Mr. and Mrs. Pillar, which is always a frustration every Sunday. How do we get people from not behind the post? Uh, you feel free to move. We got, we got other chairs. The kids are gone, so feel free to move. We got like this, this, this section that no one wants to sit in. Okay, so feel free to, you know, fill that up if you want to. Um, before I, I'm going to pray, but before I do that, what I want you to do is this, is just you pray yourself. To God, if you so choose, asking now that the Spirit would come into your heart, that regardless of what has been going on this week, that your, your heart would be filled with God's word, that it, we would be humbled by it, that we would want to change. Man, the world that we live in, the life that we live is such shifting sand, and every day things shift, and it's hard to know what is the way, what is the truth, what is, what is life really all about? And so right now, go before God. If you want to, even want to take the active posture of taking a knee, if you so choose, right now, as I will take a knee, to go before God 
in a humility asking him to change our heart. Show us the way, the truth, and the life. So if you want to take a knee, you're welcome to do that with me. Right now, spend a couple moments between you and the Lord, uh, just kind of having it out right now. God, we're asking you to change our hearts. We come before you in humility. Lord, there's a lot of assumptions we make throughout the week. We make assumptions about you, about who we are. Lord, I pray that now as we approach the throne of grace and come confidently into the throne of grace, confidently but humbly into the throne of grace, that you would show us what way truth in life looks like maybe for the first time maybe lord today will be a morning where for the first time one takes the knee and i don't care how long they've been in church church has very little to do with that how many sundays you attend maybe this is the day heart soul mind to get down on a knee before you and submit, submit our life. Lord, I give you my life. I want, your, I want your life. May that happen today. I need this, God. I need this message. I need to hear this message every day. Our church needs to hear this message every day. May we not take it lightly. I pray for this in your name. Amen. John 14, again, is where we're going to be. Jesus is sitting around the table with his friends. He's kind of in the middle, like we've said already. He's in the middle. He's flanked by his disciples. What it would have been is almost like a, a horseshoe table. And everyone would be kind of laying down at the table. Jesus would be in the middle, and he's flanked by his friends and disciples on his left and on his right. And it's a very normal di- dinner party up until this point. You know? And all of a sudden, Jesus starts to do weird things. Like washing their feet. It's a very normal dinner party until he starts doing weird things like washing their feet. We've had some of you over to our house. I've never interrupted the dinner and started washing people's feet. It's weird. Not only that, Jesus then starts to look troubled himself and says, "Uh, one of you is going to betray me. I've never done that with any of you before. Okay, I don't know if I have the gift of discernment or not. I don't think I do. But I've never stood up and be like, I got a feeling one of you is going to betray me at some point. I probably should. No, I, should, I won't be doing that. I'm not Jesus. I'm not going to do that with any of you. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving. And you can't come with me. It's like, Jesus, I just came for dinner. You know, like, I just came for, I just came for, you know, whatever they had for dinner. It doesn't matter. I just came for the meatloaf and potato. Like, I, I didn't come to be told that one of us is going to betray you and you're going to leave and we can't come with you. <laughs> There's a lot of, you can kind of feel 
You're supposed to feel the tension in the room. You know, that, that is all of a sudden present that wasn't there before. My wife is, is this person, but maybe there's someone in, in your friend group is the person who likes to say awkward, really serious things, and then all of a sudden, everyone's having fun, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, what, what, where did that come from? That's my wife. I love her to death. She asks the hard questions, <laughs> and it's funny. I have a fear of being too unbecoming for the group. It's not, it's not, it's not appropriate for the dinner table. But Jesus has just told them, I'm leaving, and you can't come with me. And think about what's going on in, in each of those disciples' minds and hearts. What they envisioned for their future, like right after dinner, not like, I need to make a school's ending in, in eight months, and I, got, I don't know where I'm going to go. Like, their future now has changed in the next hour, what's going to happen of what they envisioned their future to be has all of a sudden, in the snap of a finger, completely changed. Everything changed just like that. Don't you love when that happens? How you envision something, this is how something's going to go, and then you get one email and snap, everything changes. Or you get one text, one conversation, and snap, everything changed. How you thought your life was going to go completely. Or you get a letter in the mail saying you didn't get accepted to this school that you really wanted to get into. You get marks back from the teacher and you didn't get the marks that you thought you were going to get. Or you get a call from a boss saying you're being laid off for the next who knows how long. Whatever you've envisioned for the future can change like that. And that's what the disciples were going through. Don't you love when that happens? <laughs> we think we have control of our life, right? And everything can change like that. One conversation, one email, one dinner party can change. The destiny of where you thought your life was going drastically changed. What was very clear to them, what was very sure, what was very secure. Now in the room, there's this tension of uncertainty and confusion. And I, just like those disciples, I bet if we went around this room as you kind of, not a very good horseshoe, but you're kind of in a horseshoe like the table. Uh, I bet you could go around the room and all of you name things that have happened in your life where it's like, man, Aaron, I thought my life was going in this direction. Then out of nowhere, boom, everything changed. What does that feel like? Like, what does that feel? Maybe you're going through that right now. What does that feel like? Someone can say it if they want. What does that feel like when your life just changes like that? Everything I thought my life was is going to now be different. What does that feel like? Yeah, okay, a lot of disappointment. Thank you, Mark. What else? Yes. I don't know who said that, but that, yeah, in a deep voice, scary somewhere in the crowd. (laughs) I don't know if that was like a voice coming from above or something like that. What else? How else does that feel? Yeah, empty? You're like, well, I wasn't prepared for this. I prepared for this. 
I wasn't prepared for this. What else? Very much so. That's what the upper room felt like at that time. Empty, confusing, scary. What was the other one? Disappointing. Jesus picks up on it. And what's, what's he say in verse 1 in our passage? Don't let your heart, or let not your heart, be troubled. Because by inference, what, how were their hearts? Probably troubled. That's why Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. There's great irony here, okay? There's, there's a lot of irony when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Who is the one who's about to be beaten, arrested, on trial, and crucified? Not the disciples. Jesus is the one who's about to be beaten, arrested, tried, shamed, and hung on a cross. And yet it's Jesus saying, let not your heart be troubled in this moment. But he knows his future, and his future is, is pretty dark. At least his short-term future is pretty dark. And he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, Jesus says his spirit was troubled over Judas, but they have a very different reason. It's not because they knew what was going to happen and it was going to be bad. Why were they troubled? Because they had no idea what was about to happen. We really struggle with when we don't know the path forward. Think about how we pray. How, how, how are most of your prayers go? How do most of your prayers go down? How do most of your prayers go down? God, show me the way. Show me the way. I, I don't know where I'm going. Show me the way. I would say we have to do some thinking. Like, I think we probably pray more for plan from God than for God himself. You know, we, actually, we pray, God, show me the way more than show me you. I want to see you. But we often pray, I know I do, like, show me the rest of my life, because that'll make my life a lot easier to make this decision. If I could see the rest of the way, man, that will make my life a lot easier. I think I seldom say, God, but I want to see you. Jesus has done, Jesus, the most common teaching, encouragement, and command from Jesus is what? Do you know what it is? Do not fear, or do not worry. Do not be anxious about your life. Why does Jesus say that over and over and over and over again? Why would Jesus say that? Think about it. What is more troubling to you? Pain or the fear of pain? What's more troubling to you? The struggle or the fear of struggle? I know for me, this one, what's more, what's more troubling? Failure? Or the fear of failure. The ones who were troubled in the room were the ones, not that they knew that struggle was coming, they had no idea what their life, what the direction their life was going to take. Jesus' encouragement to not be afraid, stressed, or anxious, man, for us in 21st century should hit a square in the chest. We, it's like a scandal to our very humanity when we find out that we have, we don't, we have very little control of our lives. Because I think we've been told just you are like you get control of your life, you have ultimate control, and you don't. It can change in the snap of a finger. 
It feels like a scandal to our very nature rather than just a part of humanity that we don't ultimately have control over our lives. I think we're bred to believe we should be able to control our destinies and an uncertain future rocks us to our very core. I mean, you think about it, there's many places in the world that go through, people go through suffering. You're like, how are they so happy? How are they so content? Well, they know that struggle is a part of life. We think it's wrong. Like, we think... Like, even the fear of struggle or the fear of failure is a scandal to our very nature. I don't handle that very well. I've told our leaders that, like, full disclosure, okay? Last week I wore my jacket because I was wearing a heart monitor last week. And you know what I think I've learned about myself? I'm way more anxious than I thought I was. I've always kind of known I've been anxious. I go through seasons of anxiety. and So to the point where they were kind of measuring my heart and making sure everything's good. I don't know if it is or not, by the way. But um, I think I hit it pretty well, right? The heart monitor. You didn't know I was wearing a monitor. Maybe you did. I don't know. Um, I was telling, telling some of our leaders this week. I was like, you know what? I think I'm learning about myself. It's like maybe I'm way more anxious than I ever thought I was. Maybe I'm more scared than I even thought I was. I'm scared of emails, meetings, of what potentially could happen. Uncertainty feels like a scandal to my nature because I deep down believe that I should be able to control this. And I can't. That's why they were troubled. It's a struggle. It's unsettling. Now, I think there's a reason for it being unsettled. Listen to what Jesus says after let not your hearts be troubled. It says, believe in God, which I'll get to this in a second, which really carries the nature of, if your translation says trust, that's kind of, it's not just believe in some concept of God's trust in God, trust also in me. And then in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says, I'm going to go. And I, what I believe he's referring to, because this is the only time that he says, when I come again, and he adds that article after, he, when I come again, he's talking about not just his appearing after the resurrection, but in the same way that we are still waiting for him today, this is still true we are waiting for jesus to come again jesus is drawing upon this image of a jewish marriage what would happen is husband and wife would be betrothed to be married or in our word engaged they'd be betrothed to be married and what would happen is the husband would go away to his father's house and he would prepare a room for he and his bride that's what that's what Jewish tradition was. So I'm going away. Don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back and get you. I'm just going to go prepare our space where we will live and dwell together. That's the image that Jesus is pulling from here. He's gone away to prepare us a room so that, he, so that we, his church, his bride, we will dwell with him forever. Two things that are really important in what he's saying in verse 2 and 3. Two things. One, it says, in my Father's house are many rooms. What I believe Jesus is saying is, I'm going to prepare a place for you that 
no matter, it doesn't matter how many come to faith, there's always going to be a room that's prepared for you. So it's never like we're running out of space in my Father's house. We'll just keep adding more rooms for those who come to faith. We're just going to keep adding space. There's always room for you. Secondly, it's really important. He says that where I am, you may be also. That's, that's, our, that's our ultimate destiny, to be with Jesus for eternity. That's where we were meant to be. I think that's, where we, that's what we long for. Many of you this week who've had especially a difficult week, you've probably been like, Jesus, come back. Like, Lord, come, please. I want to be with you and rest and dwell forever. That's where we're meant to be. And so in some ways, our experience here on earth will always feel unsettled. If you feel unsettled here on earth, that's the way it's supposed to feel. Because ultimately, what we long for is to dwell with our God for eternity. So if you feel a little unsettled here today, that's that's normal. Because this is not where our heart ultimately longs for. It's to be with God. But even those who are in Christ will struggle. And often what happens is that good longing to be with God turns to an anxious unbelief. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's there's a good longing that you have to be with God. Sometimes, though, that turns to an anxious unbelief. And here's here's what we believe that where we go wrong. Okay? If you're taking notes, this is where we believe that, at least for me, this is where we go wrong. We think the remedy to that anxious unbelief or the anxiety that we feel of being unsettled, the anxiety of uncertainty, We think the answer is complete cognizance of the situation. If I'm just given more answers, then I won't be anxious anymore. Like if I see the path a little clearer, then I won't be anxious anymore. God, if you show me where I'm going, then I won't be anxious anymore. That's what we think the answer is. How many of you have said to God, God, just show me, just show me this decision and my anxiety will be gone. The anxiety of uncertainty will be gone. If you just, just kind of give me the roadmap of turn here, turn left here, take nine paces, turn right, turn around, do like 50 jumping jacks and keep going on the path. If you just do that for me, then all of my anxiety and uncertainty will be gone. Man, I've said that to God a lot. Those of you who are especially, especially maybe you're on the brink of like, you don't know what next year looks like for you. God, if you just show, like, give me, like, if you show me what my life will be like next year, man, that will make things a lot easier. Give me a map. And as I said, I think our prayers reflect that. Rather than Jesus, show me you, we say, show me the way. Thomas asked a similar question when Jesus says, you know the way where I'm going. Thomas says to him, uh, we do. I don't know the way. You've never shown me that. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus says something I cannot overstate. 
I am the way, the truth, this is in verse 6, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you, you do know him and you have seen him. See, when we believe the answer to our troubled unsettledness is a complete cognizance of our situation, we will even view the Bible and even God that way. Like the Bible is a roadmap through life telling us where to go. And if we gain enough insight and wisdom, man, you don't even need Jesus. I become the God of the Bible. Like I know, I know so much about this. It's just life. I know exactly what to do in life. The Bible doesn't point you through life. Where does the Bible always point you to? Jesus. If the Bible doesn't point you to Jesus, and it's just pointing you to how to make good decisions, you've missed the point of the Bible. The Bible will always point you to Jesus. In fact, if you believe the Bible is just making good decisions and good advice, you don't really need Jesus. you got it covered, apparently, in life. The Bible doesn't point you through life. The Bible points you always to Jesus. You ever think, Christian, like I do, that because you know the Bible, you should know better? Man, I... I, Feels like because I'm 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 uncertain about the future, I should know this better. I should know better. No. Because the answer to your unsettledness, your anxiety, is not understanding of the situation. What's the answer? Trust. Jesus says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." He doesn't say, you know. Pray that you will get every answer, which God will not give you every answer, by the way. If you're one of those people thinking, I'm, I can't wait to get to heaven, and then God will give me everything that I've ever wondered about, you get, you're going to have a rude awakening. And that we don't become God when we get to heaven, okay? We will never understand some things. Because the answer is not understanding. What's the answer to, to our anxiety about uncertainty? What's the answer? Trust. Let not your hearts be troubled. What does Jesus say? Trust in God. Trust also in me. Seldom I've found in life, God will give me the, the whole way. Very seldom found that. We are called, and what faith looks like in life is to take one step at a time, trusting in Jesus. That's what faith looks like. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We could spend a lot of time on this, but I'm not going to. I can't. Don't make this mistake, okay? If you're taking notes, take this. This is really important. Or even think about this. I can't even give you all the answers right now. This is a little bit. Those of you who are in Bible studies, maybe you can talk about it in your Bible studies or something like that, or talk about it as a family at the dinner table, or you can send me a message if you're still not quite understanding. Don't make the mistake this. When Jesus says, I am the way, he's not saying, I know the way. Here it is. I'll show you. That's what we do as Christians. We know the way, and we show other people. Like, we're guides. 
Don't mistake that when Jesus is saying, I am the way, that he's saying, I'm a really good guide. I'm going to lead you through life. I'm going to lead you to God. That's not what Jesus is saying. What is Jesus saying? I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through, through me. You know, Jesus is not just saying, you know, how most of, whether if you believe in religion, most of Canada would believe that there are many various ways to get ultimately to the true deity, the true God. And Jesus is kind of one of those guys saying, okay, well, here's, the, I can point you the well, the, to, the, to the way as well as everyone, every other religion will point you to that same way. That's not what Jesus is saying. I am the way. The early, he, he means it so much that the early church, what they were called to, what they were called when they were just getting started was they were called the way. It's a good name. We just call ourselves church. We could call ourselves the way. That's the oldest name for church. A group of Christians were called the way. Why? Why is that? wasn't merely because they knew how to live a successful life. Come follow us. We know the Bible. We, we will lead you to a successful long life. How to make good decisions, wise decisions, how to vote, how to leave family. I'm not saying those things aren't bad, but that's not why they were called the way. Why were they called the way? Because we are the people of Jesus. We follow him. He is. It's not that he knows the way. He is the way. And so in uncertainty in life, it's not that you understand which direction to go. You follow Jesus. Again, don't make the mistake when Jesus says, I am the truth. Don't make the mistake that you go to Jesus like some really great teacher and rabbi or guru where he knows the truth about God. Don't make that error. If we do, we view Jesus as just a great teacher about God and life, and we go to him and be like, wow, that's very insightful, Jesus. And we go to him like, this is how you're to preach. And wow, that's an amazing parable. parable. What a great teacher he is. That's not what, when Jesus says, I am the way. That's not what we mean. Or I am the truth. When Jesus says, I am the truth, what he's saying is, I am the self-expression of God himself. I am the divine word of God. And in me, you will discover the truth about life. When Jesus says, I am the life, again, don't make the mistake that just... Jesus gives you a good life. But being in Christ, as how you view all of life, changes everything. When it says from now on in verse uh, verse 7, from now on you do know him and you've seen him, what Jesus is saying is like this, I have changed the entire game. I've changed everything. From now on, there's no going back. From now on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. 
There's a concluding question I want you to wrestle with, though, and I want myself to wrestle with. Philip asks the question. Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Is trust in Jesus enough for you? I have to ask myself the same question. When you face uncertainty in in life, is trusting in Jesus enough? Is faith enough to go on? And I think Jesus' answer is tinged with a little sadness. It's like, Philip, have you been with me for so long? Really? (laughs) Maybe frustration. I don't know. I think it's sad. Maybe it's frustration. Really, Philip? You've been with me this long? You still don't know who I am, Philip? That's why I've been saying throughout this whole service, I don't care how long you've been sitting in those, those chairs. We can completely miss this, like Philip did. Is trusting in Jesus enough? Are you coming to God so that all of your life's answers will be fulfilled? And you don't even really need them after that. little secret. You're probably not going to get all the answers that you're, you're seeking. But the key is to trust in Jesus every step of the way. Is trust in Jesus enough? Jesus says in verse 10, 11, I got to end. Jesus says in verse 10, 11, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words, that I, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Again, we're going to continue this over the next several weeks as we discuss things when Jesus says in chapter 15, abide in man. Jesus is going to just really blow up kind of what he means by those two verses as we abide in Christ and discovering what that means. And and if you want to go an old fashioned word, practicing the presence of God or practicing the way we really, we don't have time tonight, but there's, there's, there's some things that, that, that I think as we go on this journey, there's some things that we're going to learn that are, it's going to be really good. One of those things I just want to, if it's about trust in Jesus, if you are anxious about your life, if you are anxious about the uncertainty of your life, if you are troubled in your spirit, as it says in verse one, the answer is to trust in him, so you have to spend. Here's, here's one application for you, okay? It's just very simple. There's no other way than intentional time. There's no other way than intentional time. You know, if you are going to really discover how Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and you spend no time with Jesus himself, like, no wonder you're confused. Like, no wonder you're confused. In fact, Christians themselves spend about 25 to 30 times more in secular media and other sources than in Jesus, with Jesus. And then it's like, no wonder life doesn't seem to make sense to us. Or life is like, we're, we're confused about the teachings of Jesus, and this, we're spending 30 times more in other sources of way, truth, and life than in who we're saying is our Savior. The only answer is to spend intentional time. Jesus is going to extrapolate that a lot more, calling it abiding. Brother Lawrence, like I say, and others, he called it practicing the presence of God. And 
here's the, the, the only thing I can is like, Aaron, I've tried that. It's going to feel wrong until it feels right to spend time with Jesus. It's going to feel wrong until it, spent, it feels right. Because when you feel anxious and uncertain, what, what is your first response? What do you do? If you're like me, what do you do when you feel anxious or uncertain? You do more. It's like, I got I to now do more work overtime to be able to take back the control that I lost. That's how I react to anxiety. I got to do more. I got to work harder. I got to tire myself out in order to take back the control that I thought was rightfully mine. It's not mine at all. We work harder. We put in more hours trying to seed back control of my life rather than trusting in Jesus. And it's going to feel wrong when you just stop and spend time with Jesus. Even though you're anxious about your life, it's going to feel wrong until it just doesn't feel wrong anymore. And it feels right. So that the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus flows naturally from you. I got a lot of work to do in this. So I hope you're going to go along on this journey with me. And that's one of the reasons why we chose this. Because this is very... These passages are so un-Aaron Ottaway. They are. Like, I want a proverb. I'm going to be like, here, do this with your life. Let's go. But to stop and spend time and trust in Jesus... To stop? I don't know if I like that. But I need it. My soul needs it. I can't wear a heart monitor every time I preach. We are an anxious culture. That's what we struggle with. Guys, this teaching hits us square in the chest. I just want to make an appeal to you. Like If you are floored with anxiety, stress about your future, we want to pray with you. And I want you to come on this journey with us. I think in this way, we show our world what it looks like to really live without killing ourselves in the process. Let's follow Jesus together. God, thank you so much for your word. As we, even, even now as I'm praying, man, like I, I have so much to learn about what it means to naturally view life. You, you are the way, the truth, the life. I have so much to learn. Show us, God. May, may this journey through the upper room discourse be, be life-changing for each one in our church. That we would, man, Enjoy life. Enjoy the presence of God. Rest. Trust. God, be still my anxious heart. My heart beats hard. Because I think I can control my life. And it feels wrong when I think when 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 I'm confronted with the reality that I can't. Show me how to trust. I'm not very good at that. Show me how to trust. Lord, I pray this morning. There are some in this room have not given their life to you. You are not the way. You are not the truth. You are not the life to them. 
you are ultimately for everyone, but they have not they have not embraced that truth. I pray that today they would. May they get on their knees and go, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, and I see you in this altar. I want to follow you. You are my life as I go. I pray for this year.